Welcome to Life as a Nephrology Professional, proudly brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. This is your professional education team speaking, and we're thrilled to announce our rebrand from Life as a Nephrologist to Life as a Nephrology Professional. This shift aims to embrace the entire nephrology professional community, fostering an inclusive space for everyone dedicated to kidney health. Today marks the inaugural episode under our new brand, and we're delighted to have the incredible Dr. Holly Kramer as our guest host. Get ready for a journey into the dynamic realm of innovation and research in nephrology, featuring insights and expertise from NKF's family of journals. This is Life as a Nephrology Professional. Let's dive into the episode. Hi, thank you for listening to this podcast, and we're going to discuss the upcoming advances in kidney disease and health issue that's entitled Rethinking the Renal Diet, and that's going to probably release within a few weeks. So as you know, the National Kidney Foundation has four separate journals to educate clinicians on the diagnosis and treatment of kidney disease. And as a member of the National Kidney Foundation, you have access to all these great journals that includes advances in kidney disease and health. Advances in Kidney Disease and Health provides a series of issues with review articles that center on a particular topic. Um, Dr. Josie and myself, we worked together to, to recruit these awesome authors that submitted articles that focus on healthy diets as a treatment for all stages of kidney disease. All the articles in this issue, they're review articles, but the topics range from a discussion of the Mediterranean diet and its benefits to intradialytical uh, parenteral nutrition, to restriction of animal protein to improve health, to even recipes. Um, so the issue even includes um, mechanisms on why a low protein diet may have synergy with use of SGLT2 inhibitors. Um, so it's, it includes like plant-based recipes that can be modified and needed um, to you know, feed people with kidney disease and their families. So I think what's most interesting about this issue on diet is the consistent push of all the authors to get the nephrology community to rethink that renal diet, right? What we historically think of renal diet, not necessarily what's in the guidelines for nutrition, but what historically the renal diet is in practice. Because when I think of the renal diet, I think unseasoned baked chicken and white sandwich bread that's not very palatable and it's devoid of fresh fruits and vegetables. So during this podcast, we're going to discuss that old renal diet, what's historically been the renal diet that's still in practice today, unfortunately, and why that rethink of renal diet is necessary for patient health right now. My name is Holly Kramer, and I'm the host of this podcast. So I'm joined by Dwayne Sunwald, who is a professional chef, and he uses his skills to teach people how to be more healthy by living a healthy lifestyle and cooking healthy. He's going to tell us his amazing story during this podcast and provide tips on how to get patients with kidney disease to eat healthier. We're also joined by a contributor to the advances in kidney disease and health issue on rethinking that kidney diet, Dr. Blake Schusterman, who is a practicing nephrologist. He's also the author of the amazing cookbook entitled The Cooking Doc's Kidney Healthy Cooking, and he's a YouTube phenomenon. So I actually saw that one of your videos on best drinks for kidney health had over 2 million views. Um, you know, and many of your views, I suppose like most of them have almost over a million views. And last, we have two co-editors, um, Dr. Shivan Joshi and myself. Um, so Dr. Joshi is a practicing nephrologist at the Orlando, Florida VA Medical Center. He's a dad now, um, and he's a sought after national speaker on plant-based diets for kidney health. 
Um, I'm a professor of public health sciences and medicine within the Division of Nephrology and Hypertension at Loyola. And I'm just personally think of myself as an advocate for medical nutrition therapy. And I try to get my patients to talk with dietitians. So first I'd like to uh, turn this podcast over to Duane. Um, you have an incredibly interesting medical history which changed your career trajectory if I'm stating that right. So can you share your story? Sure, thanks Holly. Um, first of all, I'm really excited to be here because I love talking about food and kidney disease. I think they're two great topics that need to go together. Um, about 25 years ago, I was diagnosed with minimal change disease. And um, over the first six months of my treatment, um, I actually saw five nephrologists and only one of them ever talked to me about diet. And she actually said, you know, animal protein is a little hard on your kidneys. Your kidneys are stressed out. I'd highly recommend you might um, want to cut back on the animal protein. And like a good patient, I didn't listen to her for about six months. And um, a colleague of mine who's a clinical dietitian came in my office one morning, had been following my case and said, I want to challenge you. I want to do a 90-day trial and take as much animal protein out of your diet as possible. Now, you also have to understand at this point, I had transitioned from minimal change disease to FSGS. My uh, microalbumin was 12 grams and my GFR had dropped to 13. So when I did this challenge, um, I had to clarify going off of animal protein meant no meat, no fish. That also meant no chicken um, and no eggs and as little dairy as possible. So as a chef and an egotistical chef, I thought this would be easy. So I said, okay. So Monday morning, um, I became a wannabe vegan and it was a little more challenging than I thought because I had to change a 40 year eating habit. But what was amazing to me was that within two weeks of taking animal protein out of my diet, I actually started feeling better. And the entire time I was being treated um, pharmaceutically, I never felt this good. So I'm a strong advocate for plant-based diets and kidney disease. And because I've stayed on that diet, uh, it took about two years um, from when I started that diet, I actually was weaned off of all medication. And for the last 20 some years, I've been in total remission of kidney disease. Awesome. That's such a great story. So in the Chicagoland area where I practice, I'm just trying to get people to eat less hot dogs. So <laughs> to get them to be vegan is, is a little bit tougher for me. Um, but let me just Push this over to uh, the infamous cooking doc who um, has multiple YouTube videos that it's a great way to um, learn about how to eat healthier. Um, so I just shout out there to Google, YouTube, uh, the cooking doc. But uh, what do you think about these plant-based diets and, and how do you get your patients to eat healthier? Well, first of all, Dwayne, it's an amazing story. And um, Holly and Shivam, thanks so much for inviting me to contribute. Uh, you know, I, I wish that all of my patients could follow down the same track as uh, Dwayne. It's a, uh, because I really do believe that diet can help uh, manage kidney disease. And I often get into the same struggle as you do, Holly, just let's kind of start with getting rid of the hot dogs and then figure out how to eat healthier. Um, but a lot of the problem I find is that the, there are so many misconceptions about what a good diet is for people with kidney disease, especially if they uh, Google some of the most common um, 
sites that they'll come across will kind of treat the kidney diet as a one size fits all diet for people with kidney disease. So they say, oh, I'm diagnosed with kidney disease. It doesn't matter where they are along the spectrum, but they'll Google and all of a sudden they'll come across a diet that is kind of the most restrictive out there. So it'll tell them to limit sodium, but then also to limit potassium and to limit phosphorus. And all of a sudden they either go one of two ways. They either decide that, okay, well, I'm I'm going full in and, and I restrict kind of my favorite foods, all these high fiber foods, all these great healthy foods, or they say, well, forget it. There's no way I'm going down this road and eating all this uh, bland food without any fruits and vegetables. Uh, and so it's very uh, confusing to people. So, um, you know, if they choose the really strict restrictive diet, then they're missing out on fiber. Um, they may miss out on their summer tomatoes. Uh, and so kind of, I like to try to initially talk to people and, and meet them where they are and get them to understand probably the biggest misconception, get them to understand that the diet for kidney disease is different all along the spectrum. And number one, um, you don't need to restrict all of your favorite foods, um, because who wants to do that? Number two, the food can taste really good if you know what you're doing. If you listen to people like Dwayne, who obviously can, can figure out how to cook healthy food and make it taste really good. Um, and then number three, if they can talk to a dietitian or somebody to really help them get over the hump, you can kind of get rid of these misconceptions. But it's, it doesn't happen all the time where people actually get to me and they're, they're ready to make those changes. So Congratulations to Dwayne on those changes. Those are amazing. It's a difficult situation when people don't know exactly where to go for uh, learning about, you know, what we think is a better diet. Yeah, I, I really like how you talk about um, more versus less, like restriction. Um, and I think that the renal diet has historically been more about restriction. And, and as a typical American, I like the word more a lot better than I like the word less, right? And um, it, it, it kind of makes me think about um, our, our very uh, histrionic editorial that um, Dr. Joshi and I wrote uh, for our issue that, that talks about the metamorphosis of, of the American diet, where it's more processed foods, it's more salt, and it's less healthy foods. And so I think what we could be doing instead of telling people to eat less of this and less of this, you know, how about if we tell them to eat more fiber, more fruits and vegetables, more plants, and 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 not emphasize the less as much, right? Um, and I think like that that could be really beneficial to our patients. And I tell you, when I first met Dr. Joshi, I was just like blown away because it was the first time I ever heard someone just completely married to the thought that eating more plants is going to benefit our patients and um, didn't have like other types of things that, that was clouding that message. It was a very simple message, eat more plants. And, and I, I just, I'm such a fan of his and I uh, wanna say like, how do you get your patients to eat better? Well, that's really nice of you to say. I, 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 I like to think of myself as standing on the shoulder of giant, shoulders of giants. And I remember reading your first paper um, uh, on the topic uh, with Dr. Tuttle, and it, it was on. It was actually the subject of, of the paper was on, on Dwayne, and then this is how I started to connect with half of the people on this podcast. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, I I like to start 
where what where people what people like to eat you know it's it's uh, that's a good place to start and uh, i asked them what fruits do you like what vegetables do you like what foods healthy foods do you like to eat why are you not eating them how can we get you to eat more of them and then start moving in that direction the interesting thing about the american diet is that it's so unhealthy at this point that if you do anything you're likely to make a positive change in your diet because you can't you can't really eat more unhealthy than this or food is very processed there's very little fiber in it high in sodium high in fat high in cholesterol and i was thinking about that editorial that we wrote about uh the metamorphosis and franz kafka and it's it reminded me of perhaps us as uh you know we're we're all uh, a lot of us are in the healthcare field but uh some of you know we're also patients ourselves we're humans and then the diet that we eat perhaps is also causing a metamorphosis in us and then at some point we look in the mirror we might see health problems or these issues and then we may not be happy with the person that we've become so i see this issue as an opportunity for hope for both providers and patients to kind of turn things around and what historically has been just a repetitive you know take more meds take more meds see you in three months yeah, so the, it kind of uh, reminds me of um, when you get out of the U.S. and you eat food in other countries, really, real makes you think like how much processed food you're eating. So I was recently recently in Rome, and like one of the few times in the past, you know, six months, I wasn't eating crackers or chips or you know something like that at some point during the day, right? Right. So, uh, so when I ask you, like, one of the articles in this issue that we're going to publish is uh, on the Mediterranean diet. And, um, and I think it's kind of like the cornerstone of our issue. So I want to ask if you can talk about the Mediterranean diet and how you think that that's important for kidney disease. Yeah, I think, I think the Mediterranean diet is perhaps like the, the diet that kind of got people to start thinking that maybe our diet um, as, a, as a, a Western society isn't so healthy. And I remember growing up in the 90s and everyone was, uh, or you know, maybe I'm dating myself here, uh, to some extent, the, <laughs> uh, that uh, that uh, this diet is really healthy. And, there, and what we've learned now, fast forward all these years, is that the fundamentals of the healthfulness of that diet is actually found uh, mostly in the plant foods. Um, the uh, olive oil and the red wine have some potential benefits as well. And the reason the Mediterranean diet has these potential benefits for patients with kidney disease is that they help improve a lot of the cardiovascular risk factors like high blood pressure, insulin resistance, obesity, high cholesterol, all of these things that uh, contribute to a high risk of cardiovascular disease uh, in, our kidney, in our patients with kidney disease, which is very high, um, higher than it already is for uh, patients without kidney disease. So anything that can be done to help reduce these complications of kidney disease is very helpful. So Dwayne, you're a professional chef. What do you think about the Mediterranean diet? I, I love the Mediterranean diet. Um, I, I also, um, thanks to my kidney disease, have a whole new love of fruits and vegetables. So um, I actually find with the Mediterranean diet, if you think of it as kind of your template, it allows you a lot of creativity and meal planning 
And what a lot of patients need to understand is that in, in our society, people plan their meal around the meat. Are we going to have meat, fish, chicken tonight for dinner? And then they do their meal planning. If you're on a plant-based diet, you have so many more options. You can be so much more creative and you can eat seasonally. So I just start in the produce section and I look at that. You know, I was thinking this morning when I was thinking about this podcast, you know, last night's dinner for me was I had a, a roasted uh, sweet potato that was stuffed with beans and had a, a cream sauce made with a plant-based yogurt over the top. Um, so I, I love the Mediterranean diet and I think the more plants and vegetables we can get into patients, the healthier they're going to be. I know it was my biggest impact on changing my kidney disease. You didn't invite us for dinner over last night, Jane? <laughs> you know, our next podcast, let's do that. Let's do that over dinner. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, how about the cooking doc? I think I've seen one of your YouTube videos is on the Mediterranean diet. Is that correct? It exactly. Yes. Um, Dwayne, we need that recipe, by the way. Uh, <laughs> read. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Mediterranean diet, too. And and I like to think about it. You know, there's there's all these diets that have been that have been studied, the DASH diet, there's the Mediterranean diet. The thing I love about the Mediterranean diet is that uh, you can kind of imagine it almost like a full lifestyle, like a, you can take it to the, the next level. I think of I imagine this like little town in, in Italy or uh, Greece where, uh, you know, you're growing fresh fruits and vegetables right there. Uh, you've got your um, your maybe your locally sourced uh, animal protein that you maybe have a little bit on the side. You're walking from town to town. So you're getting your exercise. You have friends and family around you that you're eating together with all these things that kind of take the Mediterranean diet and then even go further into a Mediterranean lifestyle to really give you that sense of these are all good things for your health to add in addition to your diet. Um, but, and then when we're focusing just on the diet, you know, almost all my recipes focus on the Mediterranean diet. Like, like Dwayne, it just allows you to, you know, focus on the seasonality, the, the flavors and the, you know, if you think about Mediterranean too, if you're thinking about the region itself more than the diet, you can get all kinds of, you get Middle Eastern food or, uh, and Greece, Greek food and Italian food and just all these great fresh flavors, um, especially if we can convince people that uh, the fresh fruits and vegetables, even if they're a little higher in, the, in potassium, are generally okay along most of the spectrum of kidney disease. But I love the Mediterranean diet as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, in fact, the article on the Mediterranean diet, um, it talks about the importance of socialization and that eating should be a social event. You should not be eating in front of television watching The Bachelor. So we should just put that out. <laughs> it's not a healthy, healthy thing to do. Um, so Liz, what about protein intake? I think there's so much confusion about, about protein intake. Um, so I'll start with Dr. Joshi. Like, what do you think about the, the whole protein intake issue? What should we be telling our patients? Yeah, I think we as a society have become protein obsessed. And uh, we, we have this fear that we may not get enough protein. And then when we think of a plant-based diet, we think that it's protein deficient. But when you actually look at the studies that are done in patients with kidney disease, and even patients on dialysis, they get enough protein. Obviously, this includes appropriate and careful planning. You can't just eat lettuce and tomatoes all day, but you have to make sure you're getting your plant protein sources. And that's going to take the shape of legumes like lentils and beans and things like that. And as as uh, the cooking doc was touching on, 
so these foods do have potassium. We actually have an article in this issue on this. But what we're learning now is that a lot of that potassium doesn't get absorbed. And it, it depends. There's a uh, how much processing the food goes through. But a lot of the raw fruits and vegetables, maybe only uh, two thirds gets absorbed at a time. So you, we can take that adjustment or have some comfort in that uh, eating a banana won't necessarily put you in the hospital for hyperkalemia. Um, what do you think, Dwayne, about the protein? You know, um, you're right. Um, I think Americans are really obsessed with protein, and it is very easy to get protein on a plant-based diet. And people don't realize that vegetables have protein as well, not just the legumes. You know, a portobello mushroom has eight grams of protein in one mushroom. So, um, you know, I eat a lot of broccoli. Well, there's three grams of broccoli in a one-cup serving for protein. So you can get protein pretty easily. And what I like is the creativity and the variety because of it. What about nuts? You're not talking about like nuts and seeds? Um, I love them. I love nut butters, um, which are another great source. Um, so if you think about just a peanut butter sandwich on whole wheat bread, um, the whole grains and the peanut butter together give you all the essential proteins that you need. Um, also, you know, medicine and science has proven we don't need to eat these incomplete proteins together. As long as we eat different ones within a 48-hour period, our body manages just fine. What do you think, Cooking Doc? So the protein, I think, is really interesting. And, and I, I'm not, you know, fully convinced that all of my patients that I see need to be on a very uh, low-protein diet. Um, I tell them that the, the plant-based proteins are you know, probably less stressful on the kidneys. It seems like that's what the research is kind of leaning to, which I think is really interesting. And so a diet focused around those plant proteins, I think it's important. Um, I also think that sometimes I have to, you know, look at people on kind of a, uh, a little more of a kind of global level. Like uh, sometimes it's like raw, raw kidneys, low protein, but you know, I also see people that have, uh, diabetes that is difficult to control. And the only way that they can manage to control it is by, you know, eating a little more um, uh, protein, even a little more animal protein. And so it's sometimes I find I have to strike a balance between, okay, we want the kidneys to really not be stressed. At the same time, I have to make sure that you can maintain your, uh, your, you know, eat in a way where you can manage your diabetes and manage your obesity. And so, Sometimes the protein I find is a is a fine line with people, um, even though I, I fully go down the road that the animal protein puts a little more stress on the kidneys than than the plant based proteins. Well, I'm going to put a plug in because of what you just said about the fact that every patient's kind of different, right? Like some patients might need one thing. And, and then, of course, there's always the cultural issue of, of diet, right? Everyone's diet's kind of different it's, and um, preferences are different. And I just want to put a plug in for my own article that we published on really low use of dietary recommendations from dietitians, right? So less than 10% of our patients are meeting with the dietitian to receive what's called medical nutrition therapy. Even though medical nutrition therapy is covered by Medicare with no cost sharing, in other words, a patient doesn't have to pay any copay, and most private insurance companies are the same way. Um, and I really think like step one, you know, when you're doling out the SGLT2 inhibitor, or you're giving them lisinopril or whatever you're doing to treat them, referring them to a registered dietitian should also be on that first time, right? Like 
it should be like everyone does that. And, um, and we obviously we need more dietitians. We don't have enough dietitians who have that expertise. But if we start referring more and we start demanding more, it, it, you know, there's going to be that shove and, and need that will help to get more people, you know, maybe paid better so that they'll want to become a renal dietitian. But um, just want to put that plug in there. So let's just go back to um, your awesome recipes that you submitted for the issue. You want to talk about the recipes that you put in? Sure. Uh, I will also, I want to just second the dietitian uh, thought before we go forward, because um, we've hopefully just hired a full-time dietitian at my practice. And I see people all the time uh, that haven't been told about nutrition therapy. And when people get referred to a dietitian, it's often when they have, you know, a GFR of 20 and their potassium is 6.2 and their phosphorus is 5.5. And you say, okay, go see the dietitian now so they can tell you what, what not to eat. So you don't go on dialysis rather than early on in the stage where we can say, okay, go to see the dietitian. We're going to help you eat right. So your kidney disease doesn't progress as quickly. So a hundred percent on board with that. Um, and you know, the, the recipes that we included in this, um, uh, this journal were, I tried to focus on four different areas. So um, we've got kind of a Mediterranean-based uh, salmon, and we talked about kind of plant protein versus animal protein. The salmon is, is great because it can be also transitioned to tofu. So Shivam asked me to kind of make a, a vegetarian recipe out of the same base salmon recipe. And oftentimes you can do that. You plug in a block of tofu or substitute some beans. It's very easy to do that. But the salmon recipe in here is really, really good. There's a, a stuffed uh, zucchini recipe, which is really perfect for uh, kind of late summer when you're, you don't know what to do with all that zucchini that's growing in your yard. Um, and then, of course, I had to include, include a dessert, uh, which is uh, this little apple dessert, which is really easy to do um, and sweet, but not too sweet. Uh, uses a little bit of whole grain in there. You know, we don't I don't need people's desserts to be always healthy, but sometimes it's nice if, if there's a little twinge of fruit or whole grain in, or something in there in case you eat more than you set out to at the beginning. And Dwayne. What types of recipes do you think you could gestalt here for our podcast listeners? Well, I, I also think people forget that you can actually put protein in dessert. Um, you know, last night's dessert was a chia seed pudding. Uh, it was a lemon pudding, and then I just put fresh blueberries on top. Um, the thing I love about this diet is I don't feel deprived. And that's the key to being a successful diet. Well, I feel a little deprived of this dessert, Dwayne. Now I keep hearing more about this meal. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Well, if you had a neighbor as a chef, this is you'd be coming over more. Yeah, that that's right. Well, let uh, we can, we're kind of running out of time, but Dr. Josie, just want to have you maybe uh, tell the listeners why they should not be afraid of fruits and vegetables if you have kidney disease. Should they be afraid of of the phosphorus issues and the potassium issues? and not eat fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah, we, we've basically done a 180 in our thinking and we're now learning to embrace these foods because we've learned that these are some of the healthiest foods on the planet. Of course, if you have advanced kidney disease, there's some nuances and it's important to work with a dietitian and let your nephrologist know and to make sure your labs are being checked because 
Sometimes if you do a canned version, there might be some added preservatives that might cause your phosphate to go up. But in general, if you're doing fresh fruits and vegetables and everything is going according to plan, then uh, there shouldn't be problems. And in fact, what we've seen is that things should actually get better. For example, folks on a plant-based diet tend to have lower phosphorus levels because there's less bioavailable phosphorus, not to mention other benefits for metabolic acidosis, blood pressure, weight, uh, all of these things. So it, I like to think of it as the foundation for a healthy body, not just for the kidney, uh, for all these other comorbidities that go along with it. Uh, so that's why I'm a big fan of the plant-based diet. Okay, well, I think we're running out of time. And um, just want to say, I hope that our listeners do get a chance to take a look at advances in kidney disease and health on the issue on rethinking the renal diet. Please take a look at the front cover, which shows the kidneys eating a bowl of fresh fruits and vegetables. So I'm going to sign off here from the National Kidney Foundation. And thank you to all of our guests and all of our listeners. Have a great day.